Frankenstein Book 2. Hey everyone, I'm Phil. And I'm Molly. And it's Del Toro time. Welcome back to Frankenstein. It's Frankentime. And we're having Frankenfurters for dinner. We are actually. <laughs> it's synchronous. That's called synchronicity. That's called the world coming together and working the way it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. Working out everything, working out for the best, just like in this book, Frankenstein. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> now, last time we talked, uh, we didn't mention, we sort of hinted at, but we didn't mention what uh, editions of the book we're using to read. And people like to know, like, what exactly we are we are seeing or viewing and where we get our, our materials. So what, what edition? Oh, I, we're, of course, we're doing the 1818 edition, but what, what, what publisher are you using? I am reading the A Long Man Cultural Edition, and it was edited by Susan J. Wolfson. That's appropriate, because Frankenstein's monster is a long man. And you uh, like that really? edition. He's tall. Yeah, but that's different from being long. He's very tall. <laughs> He's long legs. Uh, we'll get into his, like... Physique. He talks a lot about his physique mm-hmm. in this in this edition. Spoiler: He talks. Um, but you like this edition that you're reading? I it's do. got good. It has a lot of like um, annotations at the bottom. Good, good, good. Explain like, oh, this is what she was referencing here, or oh, hey, she went here with her family in 1789 or yeah. something like that. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I've been using the uh, annotated 1818 edition, which is annotated by Leslie Klinger. Who, if you are a person who loves annotated editions of books, then you know who Leslie Klinger is. He's done Sherlock Holmes. He's done the works of Lovecraft. He's done Dracula. He's an annotation. That's kind of what he's known for. His annotations can be a little weird sometimes. I was afraid going into this one because sometimes he approaches annotations as if they are true. Like the book you're reading is like a real story and he kind of treats it like his annotations are part of the story. And I kind of find that a little off-putting, but not so in Frankenstein. Frankenstein is straightforward annotations. He does his homework. He balances out like, well, here's just a description of the place they're going with analysis of the work. And he also compares and contrasts the two editions. So that is, uh, that's the version of Frankenstein that I use as my primary source. I have also been reading the uh the original frankenstein uh, edited by charles robinson and it's the edition that has it's the edition it's the edition that has mary (laughs) shelley's original draft uh before percy shelley made his edits it's incomplete because some of the pages are missing but there's a lot of notes what do you mean some of the pages are missing like in in her draft oh oh, oh. like not from my book (laughs) i was like and uh you bought your book used it's like a university copy yeah and uh i got mine online or you can get these on on kindle i mean obviously just finding a copy of frankenstein costs like a buck on kindle so that is true don't overspend but that just so people know uh, that's that's those are the editions we're using they've got great notes they've got great guides and oh i am going to tell you that in my edition almost half the book is just context just context that's great i think that's great which was really off-putting because I was like, why is the third book so long? <laughs> You're like, oh, no, it's going to be a long episode. Well, as it stands, this is 
the the three books in Frankenstein are fairly evenly divided. They are like page wise. Although and I think the second book is the shortest. Is it? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that. Uh, so for those of you who are just jumping in, we're reading Frankenstein. Wow, really? In the last episode, we did book one of the eighteen eighteen edition. Now we're doing book two. Book one carried us through the creation of the monster, the first mur- uh, murder, and the execution of Justine. And the execution of Justine. Yeah. So if you haven't read it, read it and catch up. So what's interesting though is that in her original draft, when she was dividing the books up. There were only she originally only intended it to be two books, mm-hmm. and the dividing line was the after the first two chapters of book two. So originally, it took you up to a cliffhanger that was him running into the monster and the monster mm-hmm. going, "All right, now I'm going to tell you my story," and that was the end. And then it immediately picked up in book two with him starting his story, which is kind of a cool cliffhanger. Like if you're like reading him that way, mm-hmm. like you're like, oh, "No, I want to read." So let's jump into Frankenstein. A uh, book two. What happens in this book? Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster tells his story. Well, at the beginning though, how I does he run into the monster? He's walking over an ice lake mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, and the monster's like, "Hello, I am <laughs> here now." There's actually a great scene. So what happens is in the 1818 version, uh, Doctor Frank Victor's family is like, "Let's get out of town. Like, let's go take a vacation. We're yeah. all sad about Justine. We're all sad about little William." Or little William, and let's get let's go take a vacation. Let's go to this like retreat, this like tourist town, and so they all head out. And Victor's like, I ain't having this. He's not happy. He's like, I want to take a walk. So he goes walking like by like a glacial lake, mm-hmm. and it's very stark and very lonely and very cold. And there's this awesome moment that I just absolutely love, where he sees the monster running at him. Like from a way off. And he's just like, oh no. And this <laughs> thing is just like, ding, 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 ding. And I can just see it in my, because you can probably see like pretty far mm-hmm. on this like glacial lake and just seeing this like figure way in the distance, just like getting closer and closer and this closer. This giant man. This enormous man. Every time anything has to do with like glaciers, like a glacier, like lake or ocean or whatever, I just imagine the glacier part of Skyrim. Mm hmm. And I imagine that the little place they go into as there's this like little tiny cave that's really hard to find that has like wood boards over it in that part. Yeah. That you can go down into and there's a man in there. Yeah. And I just imagine that that's where they go. Who's the man? Uh, Some crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> like Dr. Frankenstein? Mm, well, I mean, if Dr. Frankenstein was working for the devil. He, pro- he seems to think he is. So, so maybe it's thematic. We don't know. <laughs> So they talk and they yell at each other for a while. Like, well, Frankenstein does most of the yelling. <laughs> yeah. Devil! I exclaimed. Do you dare approach me? And do you not fear the fierce vengeance of my arm wreaked on your miserable head? Be gone, vile insect! Or rather stay that I might trample you to dust. And oh, that I could, with the extinction of your miserable existence, restore those victims whom you have so diabolically murdered. And the monster's response is, I expected this reception. (laughs) Me. (laughs) It's great. Like, Victor is flipping out, and the monster's like, I know, I know. I would would be like, you just killed my baby brother. Yeah. Go away. (laughs) Well, and it's interesting, because at this point, A, we're not, we don't know for a fact that the monster killed William. Like, Mm -hmm. as readers, we don't. We, we know that Victor thinks he did, yeah. but I think as readers, we're still supposed to be a little bit in the dark. Like, is this really what happened? 
-hmm. like the monsters just lurk all we see him do is lurk around so the monster is talking and he's talking like a college professor he's talking like percy shelley (laughs) very flowery language i like his language he's very poetic yes and so yeah so he tells so this is like a huge flashback story and we get the monster side of the tale and what happened to this guy well he woke up and he was like, where am I? Yep. Except for he couldn't think of that because he didn't know language. How did you how did you feel about Mary Shelley's like handling of the 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 sensation of being born but also being aware? I liked it. Yeah. Like how did it work for you? I just it flowed really well. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't really aware that I was reading while I was reading. Yeah, he says a strange multiplicity of sensations seized me, and I saw, felt, heard, and smelt at the same time, and it was indeed a long time before I learned to distinguish between the operations of my various senses. And he's like overwhelmed. He's like a newborn baby, but he also has like a sort of an adult mind. Mm-hmm. And we don't know much about what's inside his body. Remember, like we didn't get a whole lot of detail. Leslie Klinger's notes keep saying, remember, like he could be just re- like remembering stuff from the brain that's inside his head. Mm-hmm. But we don't know that there's even a brain inside his head. Like we know that Dr. Frankenstein did some alchemical stuff to create this monster and use body parts. But for all we know, he just grew something else that became like a person. I don't know. Like it's crazy. He grew a potato in his head. It's a potato man. It's Mr. <laughs> potato Head. <laughs> With his little mustache. So, uh, so yeah. So the monster's not happy. He, he's com- completely disoriented. He's like, "Oh, I guess I'm gonna go outside now." Yeah. So he goes and he sleeps in the forest. And he makes the he he's he's shrewd enough though, or aware enough to grab a coat mm-hmm. before he leaves. A lab coat. Yeah, he's like, I, grabbed, a, I grabbed a coat and ran out. Or a door. dress, as he so puts it. They don't mention him finding Victor in bed. Like, there's a scene where Victor jumps into bed and hides, and the monster peeks through the curtains. The monster, in his narration, never says, so I peek through your curtains. <laughs> and I was hoping that would be there. I was expecting them to be like, that. remember that time I peeked through the curtains at you? That was weird. Maybe he just doesn't remember it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He could barely see. Uh, he was sort of just going on. Like, like he said, like he didn't even know what, what his different senses were for. So, so for all we could, like, for all we know, he could be like, he could have, like, not even known that Victor was in the house. No, that's true. No, that's very true. So he goes into the woods and... Sleeps. Yeah. And gets some acorns and eats them. Yeah. So what is he... like? What kind of a guy is he at this point? Baby man. <laughs> but he's not He's not helpless. Like, he can walk mm-hmm. and find food. Like he understands that he has to put things in his mouth to feel better. Mm-hmm. And he discovers fire. Mm-hmm. Like, some, like, vagrants left a fire burning and he put his hand in it. And he was like, oh, that's no good. <laughs> But he learns how to cook. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's like, oh, these berries get ruined, but these acorns and these roots don't. And awful. He finds uh, like their leftover awful that he puts in the fire. O-F-F-A-L. What is that? It's like the uh, it's like the uh, rem- the parts you toss away from an, like an animal. You oh, okay. So like the guts. He finds them. He puts them in the fire. And he's like, all right. <laughs> Even though later on he says he doesn't eat meat. So maybe he like didn't find a taste for it yeah i mean he was hungry at the time mm-hmm. and cold so he runs around for a while at one point he like busts in on some guy and the guy's like what and he runs off and then he's just like i guess this is my house now 
That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, okay, this is a nice one. And he's, well, it's interesting because you sort of you're getting the idea of uh, he's becoming aware of how the world works or what the world is. So yeah, he doesn't have a sense of property. You're like, what anything? He's like, ill. Like this is what inside is called. Oh look, it is a thing. And yeah, another thing. Yeah, because he doesn't have words. He just has sensations and impulses. What's cool is that we talked in the last episode about how Dr. Victor's story is told in such a way that it makes sense. It's a progression. Mm -hmm. Like you never, there's never a major like, like, oh, this is where he becomes this guy. It slowly happens and he develops. And the same thing happens with the monster. Like it all makes kind of this weird sense, Mm -hmm. like how he ends up where he is. Because Mary Shelley's really good at like, just logically working her way through a character's development. Oh, he stumbles across a village at one point. Yeah, and they're like, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing so good at explaining all these emotions, aren't I? Well, he sneaks into the, he goes into the village and he's just like, hey, everyone, how's everybody doing? And I think he sees some kids at first and they're freaked out and he gets chased out of the village. No, he like walks into someone's house. Yeah, well, again, doesn't understand inside from outside. And then that's when he finds shelter, Mm -hmm. a little hovel next to a cottage it's barely big enough for him to sit up in but he likes it anyways yeah it's at least warm Mm -hmm. because it has a fireplace and a crack in the wall Mm -hmm. where he can see into the cottage Mm -hmm. and who do we meet we meet agatha Uh uh-huh felix Uh uh-huh their father Mm -hmm. and safia later on yeah yeah so let's uh let's reflect a little bit on what we just uh, talked about because one thing to think about is that Victor's development as like as an educated person like uh, I, I'm going to learn everything there is to know about the world ends as soon as the monster is born yeah. and the monster's education begins as soon as it's born so you've got this weird continuum of character where it's still development it's still learning it's just one stops which sort of reflects like the duality of these characters. Maybe like, Frankenstein actually has multiple personality disorder and the monster is just his other personality. Well, like we said last time, that's one of those theories of like, is the monster just an extension of, of Frankenstein? Is this just another part of his personality? Uh, is this story even really being told? Or is he just sitting on a glacier out in the middle of nowhere, just hallucinating? And freezing to death. We don't know. Like, we don't know. Except for at the beginning of the book, they did see a giant man on a sledge. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what a we... sledge? A sledge. A sledge. A sled. A sledge. S-L-E-D-G-E. Sledge. Like sledgehammer? A sledge. You know, like sledge. I'm pretty sure they said sled. A sledge. (laughs) (laughs) A vehicle on runners for conveying loads or passengers, especially over snow or ice, often pulled by draft animals. A sledge. A sled. A sledge. A sled. A sled is what kids ride in the snow. This is good at radio. This is exactly <laughs> what people want to hear. Oh, I guess they did say sledge. Did they say sledge? Yeah. The sledge. The falcon dogs riding a sledge. I just wanted a sledge. They're the same thing, except sleds are for little kids, not monsters. Not monster mans. Why does a sled have to be for a little kid? <laughs> I think once you take a monster or a man off the sledge and put children on it, I think a sledge was in a so a sledge would be pulled by animals, and a sled is like something you hop on and you s- saying these words too many times. You slide downhill. <laughs> in any case, what were we talking about? <laughs> so I just want to th- think about just the fact that 
the monster is an extension, even if he does exist, uh-huh. the monster is an extension of Victor. It's his son. Well, we, and also just like, well, I stopped so you could begin. Like, it's kind of this thing. And we get this whole, like, new education going on. Um, also, the fact that Victor is pursuing isolation. Like, he's removing himself from society more and more mm-hmm. in his, like, depression and his anger and his guilt. While the monster is trying to find society and pursue companionship and find people to be around, but no one wants to be around him. Meanwhile, Victor is trying to isolate himself and everyone's trying to get him to, like, come back to the world. Maybe they should just switch bodies. <laughs> I mean, he could figure out how to give life to someone. I'm sure he could figure out how to switch consciousnesses with someone. Maybe they can find a magic fountain to pee into. There was a movie. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> Two guys peed in a magic fountain and switched bodies. It had famous people in it. I think Jason Bateman was in it. In any case, uh, so Felix, Agatha, and the father you found out later is named DeLacy. Who mm-hmm. are these people? Describe this family. Well, they're a family. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a French family living in a little cottage in Germany. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <sighs> <laughs> That's French for yes. So are Felix and uh, Agatha married? No, are they? they're are brother they? and sister. Okay. And DeLacy is the old man, and he is blind it sounds familiar but not to our listeners no it doesn't because <laughs> we haven't talked about that movie continuity wise yet we haven't there are hints okay so there are hints of this character in bride of frankenstein but it's not the same character uh this family is very sad and very poor but mostly sad mm-hmm. uh, well there's a one specific character person who's more sad than everyone else who's more sad than everyone else Felix. Why is Felix so sad? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> don't say it yet. It's a big, incredibly long surprise. I really liked it, though. No, no, no. no. This is a. This book is filled with additional stories. Mm-hmm. Like just when you think you're, they're going to tell you just kind of who a person is, you get their backstory, and it's like, wh- why isn't this a novel? I would read a novel about that family. Yeah, and uh, we'll learn a little bit more about that family when we get to it. But uh, so. He starts observing this family, like mm-hmm. watching them to see what they do. And it's kind of how... First, at first he was taking their food to feed himself. But then what happened? He discovers the idea of poverty. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I shouldn't do this because it's negatively affecting these people. And he's like, oh, look, Felix, they're the young man keeps going out and bringing wood. Maybe I'll just do that for them. And he does. Yeah. And they're like praising it as miracles from like God or something. Right. So he becomes this kind of like guardian angel or there's like this like magical spirit who's mm-hmm. like doing stuff for them. He's learning to be a good person, mm-hmm. like which is which is interesting. Like everything he's learning about humanity is how to be decent. And because these are decent people he's watching because these are decent people. Eventually, someone else shows up to the cabin one fine day. Mm-hmm. And trust us, this bit goes on for a while. Yeah. Like you are learning slowly about his development. With yeah. He, he's picked up a few words at this point. Mm-hmm. Like bread. Right. Right. Just your basic. He has to figure out what words are, like what the sounds coming out of their mouths are and then what words are. Uh, he starts learning their language. Uh sort of mimicking them, miming them. He's discovered music because of the old man who's playing the thing. Right, and he realizes that he looks different from the rest of them. Mm -hmm. And that makes him feel... Terrible. Terrible, (laughs) yeah. This is also... So this becomes our... We've we've seen people respond strongly to him, but this is our first real indication that there's something strange-looking about this thing. Like, Victor's afraid of him because he brought him to life. He's also like 10 feet tall, 
So people are kind of wigged out by him. But this is our first indication that he looks un... Oh, his eyes are yellow. Yeah. I assume there's like stitches all over his face. Or something. Like they don't ever say. He, I mean, just, he says he's malformed. He says he's hideous and a monster. Yeah, but that's because he has really terrible self-esteem. He does have really terrible so self-esteem. So like we don't really know what he looks like. Right. But he's growing very fond of these people. Then something happens that shakes up the family mm-hmm. in a good way. In a good way. What happens? A young woman arrives on horseback wearing a black veil. Yes. And who is very happy to see this young woman? Felix. Why? Well, let's find out. (laughs) This woman does not speak French. French. She looks different from the rest of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her name is Safi. Safi derives from the Greek word for learning and plays against Sophie, the simple, obedient wife idolized in Rousseau's Emile, a character acidly critiqued by Wollstonecraft in Rights of Women. Yeah. So Safi shows up and she becomes Mary Shelley's feminist icon. Like she she be- is B.A. She becomes the woman that people think of when they think of Frankenstein's women. Even though she's a weird non-player in the actual action, mm-hmm. this is where we start saying, like, okay, Mary Shelley is including stuff for a reason, and mm-hmm. she's telling long stories for a reason. Now, we've heard the history of her mother, mm-hmm. the mother character, we who was like whose father died and married the who married Victor's father. Mm-hmm. We learned about Elizabeth and how she was either rescued from a poor family or is the cousin. Yeah. Two diversion. We learned all about how she was raised. Uh, we learned Justine's story uh, about her relationship with her mother and like her poor upbringing. And now we're learning Safi's story. So all these women who aren't big players. Like they're well, I guess they the other ones are big players, but like who don't get a lot of screen time, mm-hmm. but have these fascinating backstories and are all strong characters in their own way. Yeah. Um. So now we have Safi, and so what? What's her deal? She's Turkish. She was in France with her father, who was a merchant. Her father was arrested for some crime. Yeah, they say like for a crime, basically trumped up charges just because they didn't like his religion because he's muslim yeah felix was like wow that's not right i'm gonna get this guy out of prison so he goes to meet with the father the merchant and says i'm gonna break you out and he says what can i give you in return and felix is like nothing nothing and he's like i'll offer you my daughter's hand in marriage and felix is like i that's tight with me i love your daughter (laughs) and so eventually he breaks him out of prison uh he the merchant and Safi run somewhere and then obviously the French government is like, excuse me. Right. <laughs> so they arrest his father and his sister. But the merchant is like, I don't want my daughter marrying a Christian. Yeah. So I'm going to find a way to get rid of this guy. And so we can go back to Turkey. The moment arises when he's like, I got to go because my family. So he runs off. Um, he's hoping that he can get there. And he then, is Felix. Yeah. He's yeah. hoping he can get there, um, turn himself in, and then they can leave. But no, they end up having to stay in prison for five months while the merchant has taken Safi away. Safi's not having any of this. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to live in a harem. My mom wanted me to get married to a Christian and ha- become a woman of power. Yeah. So goodbye. <laughs> she steals away in the night 
with some jewels that she owns and some money and finds a translator who speaks French to come with her. Her translator gets really sick on the road. Yeah, this is the... So Safi's like, I'm going to take care of you. And she like spends all this like time taking care of her, but the translator ends up dying. And she finds someone else and then she gets to the cottage. Yeah. Not speaking a word of French. Yeah. Uh, so she and Felix can't actually understand each other. So they're kind of teaching each other how to talk to each other mm-hmm. through like simple sign language and stuff. But uh, no, it's a fascinating story. We don't find out what ha- really happens to the merchant. Uh, he disappears from the tale. But uh, there, there is some like, you know, like some questionable stereotyping of of Muslim culture. But mm-hmm. uh, that's, you know, it's 1818. And, you know, it's it obviously is like, you know, Muslim culture is or I can't remember what they call it. Mohammedan culture is backwards and they don't let women do anything and christian culture is the even though like mary shelley was no big fan of religion in any case but it's interesting though that safi is like when they say harem in the book it isn't referring to like a bevy of like concubines or anything which is mm-hmm. kind of the image that we get of harem because the way it's kind of portrayed it just means the women in the in the house would be isolated and not be able to get educated and stuff like that she doesn't want to live just among women just not learning anything mm-hmm. and that's a very big deal for mary shelley like that's a huge motivator mm-hmm. to do something is to get away and learn and read books and become a, a self-sufficient woman uh so you can see like why Safi is considered like yeah the awesome character in the book um so what does the monster get out of all this though the art of language yeah and writing because then he gets to eavesdrop on these these lessons these mm-hmm. like talking lessons we do get the weird thing where he learns how to read from listening to someone learn how to read. No. Yeah. He learns how to read because he learns how to write. He how does he learn how to write, though, if he can't? He there's pe- the, he sees the writings. But can he see them from yeah. where they are? Because he can only see them like through this little crack in the wall. I assume so. <laughs> I mean, I guess for the sake of like the story, you have to. It's a, and it's, he learns to read from finding those books. But reading doesn't work that way. What are you talking I mean, about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it's it's. I guess it's obviously we have to stretch credulity here a little bit. That like uh like that. Like, like what do you want her to do? Go into his like English classes? Maybe he she like drops a notebook or something, or like a maybe they have like work. No, books. he learns to write and read from the notes in the pocket. No, something. no, he finds those later. He finds those later. Yeah, there's a. We're supposed to, as as readers, I guess, like, say like, okay, like this is how he learns. Like he he learns to be, he gets pretty fluent pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So, but also like we know he's super strong. We know he's super resistant to injury. Mm-hmm. We know that he is like he doesn't have to eat much. He doesn't have to like he he doesn't he won't die in the elements the way we think like people would. So maybe there's maybe he has a super brain too. That would be hecking awesome like this guy's smart he figures things out quickly and so yeah so maybe like he doesn't need to, to have all the lessons that a normal person would because he learns to read he learns to write he's using constantine francois de volney's ruins of empires so he starts learning about world history mm-hmm. like about the world and when you learn world history you start learning how crappy people can be to each other and this is his first exposure to like people being jerks is through learning world history. And he's like, I found myself find liking the more peaceful leaders and not Romulus and what's his face? Te, 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 te. I'm just going to leave you at that. Te, te, I have it. <laughs> no, Romulus was the semi, semi-divine co-founder of Rome, succeeded by Numa Pomp. 
Pompilius, legendary king famed for wisdom, piety, piety, and a long peaceful reign. Romulus and Theseus were infamously violent and cruel to women. Romulus murdered his twin brother Ramus and led the mass rape of Sabine. 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 I can't read. (laughs) Women. Yeah, so don't ever assume that a name is dropped in this book for not a reason. Mm -hmm. Like, Mary Shelley picked and chose what went into this very carefully um the monster goes a roman one night and he finds a purse full of books yep yeah which books does he find he finds a lot of them we already talked about these books no he didn't he taught he finds that that was a separate group he finds Goethe's uh sorrows of Werther, which is apparently a book about a guy and the guy kills himself because oh, of the woman yeah it's very sad and the monster's like yeah man i feel it it but me. He basically it me's the book. <laughs> it me. <laughs> but he's like, I don't quite understand what this is about, but it me. It me. And he also finds one copy of uh, one volume of Plutarch's Lives. So he uh, he learns a little bit about some of the great men. Plutarchs. <laughs> the great Plutarchs. All <laughs> the lives. Now, Plutarch has nine lives. <laughs> Here are three of them. No, uh, Plutarch's Lives is like a multi-volume series where it, it takes you through like the, live, the, the lives of great men. It was basically kind of like the origin of the great man theory, which is history is made up of great men. And if you just study these great men, you will learn the history of history. Blah. And, uh, but through, through, through reading the few profiles and lives, he learns about leaders and more just about how crappy people can be, but also like great thought and what a great person is mm-hmm. like what a, what a quote unquote great person is like what makes you like paragon of, of well, great rarity. doesn't necessarily mean good. Right. Right. Uh, and then also, dun dun dun, Paradise Lost. That means literally, which nothing. is like oh, the Bible storybook. <laughs> okay, John Milton's Paradise Lost <laughs> is not a Bible storybook. <laughs> okay, look, it just keeps talking about Adam and Eve and Satan right. so and God. John Milton's so Paradise Lost is a satirical and uh, very poetic and uh, very coded poem uh, about Satan and his fall from grace but not in a not necessarily in a religious way it is it's kind of the big it's kind of the first big story that was like so what's satan's point of view like what's going on in his head this whole time i'd be pretty peeved if god put if like you just like decided to put a bunch of like ants on the ground and were like now worship them how would i put ants on the ground <laughs> i don't know it'd be very difficult no but like if you were like i've created these tiny beings yeah now worship them well that was kind of satan's had to be like no part of his deal and uh <laughs> and so the monster reads or the creation the creature reads paradise lost and completely starts it meing all over the place but he it me satan and adam and he's like but i got the worst end of both like i got created and kicked out of paradise and also i'm a fallen monster <laughs> so i'm just I'm just kicked around and nobody likes me, but he really latches on to the whole Satan Adam imagery. Like mm-hmm. that becomes his like, and he's like, but I need to find an Eve. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, Cause then he finds some notes in the coat that he stole from his creator. And what are these notes? They're like science notes, but they're also like, basically Victor wrote down everything he did and put them in his pocket. Me. 
lucky, me. Lucky the monster found them. No, this is like this is basically parts of Victor's journal, and Victor's mm-hmm. like, "Well, here's what I did. Here's how I created this monster." And the monster. Why doesn't like, the monster just go? Oh, here we go. Now I can create one. <laughs> I don't think he's that. He doesn't have the materials. A. Well, neither does uh, Frankenstein anymore. Well, that's true, but he knows where to get them. Uh, I'm 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 assuming the monster also knows where to get dead body parts at this point. <laughs> I'm assuming the notes because it says that they were like part of his like journal. I maybe it's more just like a diary of just like, it's not specific. It's not like his formulas and stuff. Uh, Did he even write his formulas down, or just to just figure it out? I don't know. Again, are very, there even any formulas? Very vague science in this. Did he book. just become God? <laughs> It'd be bad if Mary Shelley included all the formulas. Then just be Frankenmans running around everywhere. That wouldn't be so bad. Then they'd at least have someone to talk to. That's true. They'd be very strong. What if Mary Shelley actually did figure out how to give life? I am sure that there are any number of fanfics out there and like side projects. And what if Frankenstein was real and Mary Shelley actually created a monster stories? I bet if you dig for 45 seconds, you can find someone's someone's story of what if mary shelley had don't say fan fiction in reference to this book (laughs) what do you mean i'm sure there's been fanfic written about it that's gross why not slash fic fanfic what's slash fic slash fic is where kirk and spock kiss each other that's not slash fic that's the original slash fic thanks maybe like i'm sure there was like some paradise lost slash fic done once upon a Th- time. That's just the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate slash fiction. <laughs> well, when you think about it, the Gospels are kind of the first fan fiction. Because mm-hmm. it's four different versions of the story. That each person's like, what if I was Jesus' best friend? I think it goes something like this. Sorry, I was didn't mean to get off on a religious tangent here. Sorry, I didn't mean to toss my religious education around. <laughs> what religious education? The Bible is fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> So in any way, he finds these pages from Victor's journal and he gets upset. What is why does he get all upset? I never I don't understand. Because he finally understands where he came from and that his creator was like, I'm gonna build a guy and then he's like, Wait a minute, you were that guy who was Hey (laughs) You freaked out and I'm all alone and you turned me out and you created me and what's the deal? I'd be pretty upset if someone gave birth to me and then was like, Bye. I mean, that does happen. That's called adoption. That's called abandonment. If someone gave birth to you and was just like, bye, now fend for yourself. But if someone, if someone's like abandoned, yeah, fend for yourself. If people do give up their children, but it's because they need to. Yeah. I don't care if they need to give up their children, but if someone was like, goodbye. If they set their child down in a field. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible thought. <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> yeah. No, I know it has. <laughs> So the monster is just Wow, like, that was really sad. That was really dark. Uh, let's, go, let's go to the happier thing. A happier part of the story. So the monster decides to reveal himself to the cottagers. <laughs> <laughs> so Frankenstein's monster. Th- this poor guy is not doing well at this point. He's like, I have no one. I have nothing. I am living right next door to the nicest people in the world. These people got to be my friends. I got to show myself to them. Or I am going to be forever alone forever alone i just want to give him a hug yeah he's not doing well smells like corpses i bet he smells really bad (laughs) i mean i don't know maybe he smells like sage i have no idea that's one thing they don't go into in this book is how he smells i feel like that's an important part of the thing i bet no one in this story smelled very good though well no obviously but like he's made out of dead body parts how good can he smell that he has dead body stuff in him but if if Victor's infused it with life, like it's got to be pumping with something. It's not rotting, right? He's not a he's not a zombie. 
No, obviously not. But, like, he's still made of dead body parts. Right, but the smell would be coming from the necrotization of the dead But tissue. it would already have started. Right, but I figure, like, once you get it back going again, which is impossible, which we is have to remember. Once okay, you get it back going again. When I got my mole cut off, mm-hmm. it, like, it stunk because, yeah. yeah. But then but it, it healed. <laughs> but he's healed, too. Like, he's not, like, a pile of festering wounds. <laughs> He's not like a trauma but, character. But this isn't the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> but like, he had to like have smelled like rotting flesh I bet, for I a bet while. I bet he smelled bad for a while. But this has been a while. The, uh, the one thing our uh, our listeners need to know is this is taking place over a long time. Mm-hmm. Like it, uh, a couple of years go by before these two meet up again. Yeah. And uh, he's hiding for many seasons. And. He decides that he's got to he's got to reveal himself to the family. He decides to wait until Felix, Agatha and Safi are away because mm-hmm. he figures that DeLacy is going to be his best bet because the guy's blind and won't be able to judge him. I feel like if he had just been like, knock, knock, please help me. I feel OK. So let's say what happens first. And then I'm going to point out where the monster went wrong. And then I'm going to point out where I think the monster went okay. wrong. And maybe we'll agree. So the monster goes into the cottage mm-hmm. when the when everyone's away except for DeLacy. And he's like. Hey, <laughs> I'm just a guy, and I'm uh, looking for some friends of mine. <laughs> and Delacy's like, I'm blind. I can't see. Sit down. And he's like, all right. So there's these really nice people that I'm really good friends with, <laughs> and they're really super nice, and I really want to meet them. And Delacy's like, just what are you look? What are, what is happening? And he's like, yeah, uh, I can't find my friends. And he's like, well, who are you? And he's like, uh, you're my friends. And then like, right <laughs> when he says it, like everyone comes home unexpectedly. And they, you're my friends. And he flips. They flip out because there's this monster man in their house. And Delacy's probably just like, what the heck is and going Delacy's on? Like, what's going on? They pull Delacy out of the cottage. No, they pull the monster out of the cottage. They pull the monster out of the cottage. They like, yeah, they p- ripped him away. Oh, that's right. From that's Delacy. right. They get him out of there. He runs off. He comes back later to see if his friends are still there. They're moving. They're moved out. Only Felix is around. The monster gets so mad he burns the cottage down. Yeah. Here's where he should have done. We know he can read. We know he can write. He Mm -hmm. should have written them a letter. and was like, hey, I'm the guy who's been bringing you wood and food and being really great guy for all this time. Here's the deal. I'm a hideously deformed monster. I look really bad. Like really, really bad. But I'm a cool guy. I like you guys. Is it cool if I meet you? He yeah. knows how to talk. He knows how to write. He should have just been like, just a word of warning. I look terrible, but I'm cool. Now we're friends. <laughs> now we're friends. What are your thoughts on what he should have done? I think he should have been like, hey, I'm homeless. I'm really deformed. Nobody will be my friend, please. Like, I think like if he had just like knocked on the door. Yeah. And been like, hello, please help me. Right. No one will help me. Or pull and like have a hood up. Yeah. So if they fling open the door, he can be like, just so you know, I'm a little messed up under here, but that's cool. Like, I'm cool. Because he can talk. Like, mm-hmm. we know he can talk. So in any case. Well, I mean, he doesn't know social interaction yet. Right. His social skills but are. He, he does have like an idea of how people react to seeing him. Yes. It's happened on a number of occasions. Mm-hmm. So he goes back. Everyone's moved out. So he burns the place down. I'd be, pr- I'd be. I mean, granted, I wouldn't burn the place down. I'd just be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we, we, so we're hitting. This is a kind of a turning point for the monster because he's like, all right, well, 
screw this and screw everyone else. And screw everybody else. This isn't working. It's not going to work. This whole me being coexisting with humanity isn't going to be a thing that happens. So I'm just going to kill everyone. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just going to kill everybody. And I'm going to start with the Frankensteins. Now, I'm going to take a little side journey here because we're almost at the end of this whole book. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want to talk just a second about the book or the book, the play Presumption. And this is the play that was written right after Frankenstein got published that Mary Shelley went to go see. It's a play based on Frankenstein. It's called mm-hmm. Presumption. Now, in Presumption, I think this is kind of cool. In Presumption, it's one of the only adaptations, maybe the only adaptation of Frankenstein that has Felix, Agatha, Safi, and Delacy in it. They mm-hmm. are main characters. Uh, and when I say main characters, I mean Agatha is Victor Frankenstein's lost love. Felix is still Agatha's brother, but and Felix is still betrothed to Safi. But Safi is the one who tells Elizabeth, who is Victor's sister, that Agatha is looking for Victor. This happens like earlier on in the story. When the monster runs off, he still finds the family and hides out and observes them for a while. But they are major players in all of this. Uh, And their story kind of weaves in and out with the rest of the story. Like it kind of plays out as happens in the book, uh, but they tighten it up a little bit more. And so like when they, so the family is of course a family of, gypsies because we love our gypsies in these old stories but it's like it's a gypsy's fire that frankenstein finds and it belongs to like the de lacy's group and so the story is kind of the same but they all tie it together and then uh well and so in the book the monster runs off and he uh, he sees a poor woman slip into a stream and hurt herself and he rushes a little girl a girl and he rushes to her aid and she screams and being a smart man he chases her through the woods to apologize for scaring her i guess and her brother or someone sees her and sees the monster and is like, ah, pulls out a gun and shoots him. In the book. That's the book. That's no, the book. No. What what happened? What, what did I get wrong? Well, it's a little girl. She's running from her father or whatever. She slips, falls into a stream. He picks her up. He's like, oh, God, is she still alive? She's not breathing. The father comes around the bend. Oh, okay. Sees him and is like, ah, and rips the little girl from his hands and then shoots him. Okay, that was I got it confused. Because in the play, I believe it's like, Felix who shoots the monster Mm -hmm. and it was like Safi who slipped and fell and the monster tried to save her and that's when they freak out and are like so they tie it all together it's still not supposed to be a very good play but I would love to see it done like Mm because you don't get to meet these characters otherwise unless you've read Frankenstein Safi and Felix and Agatha and DeLacy are just they're nothing DeLacy's sort of done in Bride of Frankenstein with the blind old man and the house is burned down in the Bride of Frankenstein right right but it's accidentally burned down and in the movies frankenstein hates fire and in the book he's like gotta light me a fire (laughs) he sees it like it's like let's just cleanse the world of these horrible people so the monster's mad nobody likes him everybody shoots him he doesn't seem to be like too injured by the bullet Mm -mm. it hurts but he heals so then he's wandering around geneva First, he goes through like towns and towns for like months. Oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah. He wanders around for a long time. Yeah. Like this, 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 this goes on. He's he's a wandering, mm-hmm. and then he gets to Geneva, <laughs> and he meets a little boy named William. But how does he find out that this is William? I can't remember. He grabs him and he's like, "What are you?" And William's like, "Let go of me! I'm a Frankenstein." <laughs> and he's like, and the monster's all, "Well, what a coincidence!" <laughs> dead 
And that's when you're like, all right, the monster did kill the little boy. And then he's like, who's this pretty lady? <laughs> and he steals the locket. And then he's like, who's this pretty lady? And he puts the locket in Justine's pocket. Which gets her killed. <laughs> in any case, it gets Justine killed for Justine. Mm-hmm. That sort of brings us up to speed because he strangles William. He frames Justine. We cut back to our two buddies. And Chat- Frankenstein's just like, <laughs> yeah, he's like what is happening in the monsters all i'm just telling you this whole story because i got something to ask i think i could finally be happy if you made me a woman done not dun, made me dun. a woman. But like right 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 you built me a woman as a companion mm-hmm and then we get the final chapter in this book, which is the monster. Begging. A ba- it's a back and forth. It goes back and forth between the two of them. Like the monster's all. Just Please. Give me- yeah. And Brian says like, no. He's like, just give me a woman. Give me a woman and I'll go away. He's like, I can't do that. Build me a woman and I will go to South America. No, I can't do that. Build me a woman. I'll go to South America. I won't ever talk to people again and I'll be happy. Uh, no, that's terrible. They just build me a woman. I'll go to South America. I'll live in the jungle. I'll never talk to anybody again. We'll be happy. We'll have our own little family. No. <laughs> it just goes on. It's a long chapter. And uh, we get the monster. Like, the monster, he makes kind of a case for himself. Yeah. He's like, there's no one else like me on Earth. I just want one person like me. We will just, we will disappear. You will never see us again. No human being will ever lay eyes on us again. We will just go haunt the woods of South America. And I raised this point online. This is where the monster gets a little weird. Okay. (laughs) This is where the monster gets a little weirder. He's all, I just need a woman. If I had a woman, I wouldn't, you know, be so violent. I wouldn't want to kill. And I'm like, oh, you are dude broing out, monster. You're becoming that guy. You're that guy who makes YouTube videos who's like, "Uh, I feel all violent. I just want to kill everyone because no woman will be with me. And I'm like, dude, like maybe in 1818 that made you more sympathetic. But in 2017, I'm just like, I'm, I've i met this guy. Yep. There is a guy on the internet who literally murdered people because no one would be with him. Yeah, or that's what he says. Like, And that's what the monster is doing. The monster is like, if you just build me a woman, man, I'll just go away. I won't hurt anyone. And I'm like, will you? Because you seem pretty angry about a lot of other things mm-hmm. besides not having a girlfriend, monster. <laughs> Mary Shelley does a really good job at building up our sympathy for the monster. And I think it's intentional that this is the part where things start getting weird. Like, I think we're spo- it's a horror novel. Mm-hmm. So I think we are supposed to be like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. That's gross and kind of creepy. And I well, like as soon as it got to the part where he was like, "Ooh, pretty lady in the locket," I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, yeah. And of course, many commenters have pointed out they're like, "Funny that like the first woman he's ever said that about is like Victor's mother, who is a stand-in for Mary Shelley's mother, and the whole like guilt and death and oh boy, Mary Shelley, you sure did work in your own personal problems into this book quite a bit." I mean, that's what <laughs> writing was all about at that point. Oh yeah, and she does a good job at like kind of skeezing us out. So now we've got two characters who we're kind of skeezed out by. We're kind of skeezed out by Victor. We're kind of Why? Ske- well, because he kind of made a man. I'm not skeezed out by him, though. Yeah, I mean, 
in my read in this read through of the book for me i'm less skeezed out by victor than i was because i perceive him as being younger than i ever had before when i first read the book he was older than i was now he's a lot younger than i am and i'm like yeah i can totally see this he's happening. like almost i'm like almost his age right so like he's he's not uh he doesn't think ahead very well, but he's because he's like a teenage boy. But he didn't build. He didn't build a monster with the intention of being God. He didn't build a monster with the intention of being manipulative or. He didn't even want to build a monster. Right. He was just trying to see if he could do it and to prove that he could do it. And, and then he was like, "Regrets, regrets, regrets." Right now, he. I am a little grossed out by him because of his whole like. Well, I can't tell them what. I, I can't tell them the monster killed Justine, or else I could get in trouble. And that and that does come up in the story in Safi's story because we we get to see the monster the monster sees and hears the story of a young man who put everything on the line to save someone from wrongful wrongful prosecution, which is exactly what Victor didn't do. Again, when I was younger or whatever, and I wasn't like like even now sometimes. When someone gets in trouble and I'm like, oh, but that was me. I'm like, but I don't want to get in trouble. Right. But you know, it's not it's not a thing you're supposed to admire in a main character. No. I'm not I saying that Victor needs to be admirable. I mean, unadmirable every, main He's just are, a guy. But he's a guy and he makes a lot of mistakes. But I think Mary Shelley is deliberately showing us that here's what real virtue looks like. Yeah. Like, here's what real. I mean, it's a telling, though, that she doesn't spend any time letting us get to know Felix. We do get to spend some time getting to know Victor because that's the more interesting, like the mm-hmm. flawed protagonist. Um, so the monster is getting kind of weird. And Victor says, okay. All right. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll build you a woman. Let's go. And the monster just goes, Shoo. and the monster's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. I'll keep my eye on you. Like there's like the monster is going to be hanging around now. He can't like be there, but he's like, I'm going to watch you, though. Well, I mean, he's managed to follow Victor this far. Yeah. Uh, How did he even get ahead of Victor on the ice lake? He's so fast. He's got super dogs. No, not on, like not in the beginning of the book. Like, on the ice lake that they're on and they're talking. Oh, I assumed that the monster was coming from a different direction. I just assumed he was coming. Like, Victor was walking on the ice. He looks into, like, up. And there's the monster running at him. Yeah, I think the monster was, like, maybe circled around. Like, the monster was always stalking him. And it was like, okay, Victor's going to go this way. I'll come around the other side to freak him out. What if Victor didn't go that way? What if he, what if he accidentally ended up behind him? <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to sneak up. I was. I didn't mean to sneak up on you. I was going to come charging at you from across this ice field. But then you must have gone a different direction. Didn't mean to spook you. I wanted you to be terrified for the entire time I was running straight <laughs> at you. Um I would befriend the monster. Well, that's it. That's the way the book ends. The book. Oh, oh. This book of the book. The Vic, the the Victor, the man, the scientist, Victor agrees, I am going to build you a, a mate, woman. a companion, and you're going to move to South America, and that's where we hang off. That's the end. What if uh, what if he didn't promise to build him a woman? What if he just was like, I'll build you a companion and then like built a dog? <laughs> you're right. A wooden person. A fake person? Well, you oh, said like, you didn't say to build it out of meat. A dog. You just buy him a dog. <laughs> what if he just bought him a dog and was like, I built this dog for you? <laughs> or what if he like met a woman and he was like, I got this friend. He's super weird looking. He's eight feet tall. 
he's a little needy, but I know you've been looking for a guy, and you wanted to go to South America. You wanted to travel. Mm-hmm. So I got this friend who wants to move to South America, wants to meet a woman. Interested? He's smart. He's well-read. He's she, a good guy. She's like, all right. And then he's like, hey, monster, come here. And the monster comes over, and he's like, I built this woman. I totally built this woman <laughs> for you. And she's like, what? And he's like, no, 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 no. I built this woman for you. And then they just go off, and they're happy together. And they get a bunch of cats. What if he... Well, we'll get to that because we don't know what happens yet. Nope. You haven't. Have you read the next part yet? I barely read this <laughs> part. <laughs> you did a really good job. So, are you excited to read the final part of Frankenstein? Yes. Are I you interested know how it in seeing what happens? Yes. Uh, yeah, we have a third left of this book. Uh, we're barreling towards the end. This is where this is where the action starts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, what have you? Th- so, what are, what are your thoughts of the book so far? I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a horror novel so far? Depends. It's like rooted in psychological horror, I mm. think. Like, because it's all about like the insides of like Victor and the monster's brains. Yeah. And like the horrors of reality. Yeah. And slowly discovering them. Yeah. Like, it's kind of the terror of being alive. Although, like, the imagining just an eight foot tall man charging at me from <laughs> right. across the ice is pretty terrifying. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's very few places in this book where I'm like, oh no. But it's not so much it's horrifying as. This is a horrifying prospect. Mm-hmm. Like, and the fact that it's kind of going on behind closed doors, this whole thing. It's like, What if like his father came looking for him and just stumbled upon him talking to the monster? Oh, like up in the ice? Yeah. Well, interesting you mentioned that. In the 31 revision, uh, Mary Shelley changes it so that the family doesn't go on vacation. Victor goes by himself, uh, which cause it, more, more thematically, like I'm, he's trying to isolate himself. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that the whole family goes. It kind of keeps everyone involved. Yeah. But I can see where she's like, logistically, it makes more sense for him just to run off on his own. So I don't think so. Yeah. Either way works, but I prefer him going with the family. I think that, like, it would make more sense for him to go with the family because, like, he doesn't want to leave the house. He wants to keep all the curtains closed in his room and, like, lay in bed weeping and mourning. Yeah. And, like, the dad's like, all right, you need to get out of the house. Right. That's true. <laughs> Uh, I do like the fact like, he's like... Because that's the reality I face every day. <laughs> yep. He goes for a walk, and then he comes back, and his family's like, where were you? I feel like Henry would just be like, oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Remember that stuff I was telling you about earlier? I feel I like Henry would under- be understanding. Yeah. Yeah, he probably should have taken that walk with Henry. Get a little backup. Please help me. My favorite thing is that the monster's like, uh... I know I can prove to you all this stuff about Safi because I have these letters of hers. Like there's this strong reliance on the written word in this book, Mm -hmm. letters and journals. And that's like the only evidence anyone ever had about anything at that point. And one thing that was pointed out is that this is we get to when we're learning Safi's backstory, we are hearing a story that she told to Felix that he told to his father, that gets overheard by the monster, that gets told to Victor, that gets written down, that gets told to the sailor, that gets written down by the sailor and mailed in a letter to his sister. This story is like so deep at this point. It wasn't told to Saf. It wasn't told by Safi to Felix. Felix lived it. Oh, what happened to Safi after they left, though? Mm-hmm. Like that part of her story. Like She had to say, like, this is what happened. So... There's so many generations removed in this game of telephone. Like, who knows? Like, what really happened? By the time the, by the time our main guy is, like, writing to his sister in the beginning. For all we know, like, Felix could have been, like, a jerk. 
and like Safi could have been like, I don't really want to marry this guy. Plus, like, is this whole book, is this whole part of the book just one letter to his sister at this point? Is I she hope like, so. my God, like, <laughs> when did he have time to write all this? I hope so. I hope so too. Well, next time, next week, book three mm-hmm. of the 1818 edition of Frankenstein. I'm excited, everyone else. I hope you're excited. We're starting this book in school after MEA. <gasps> so we're going to have just finished it when I have to start it over again. That's good. You're going to be so ready. I'm going to be so ready. You're going to be so ready. You're going to be like, uh, um, excuse moi. I know exactly who Safi is. Or I'm going to be like, you're wrong. You're wrong. My dad says you're wrong. <laughs> All of his Facebook friends also say you're wrong. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm excited to hear like what you guys do. So you're going to begin this the chapter of the week, this, the book, the week that we do our final mm-hmm. broadcast, our big wrap-up. We're going to talk about Del Toro and everything. Going to bring it back to the name, the title <laughs> of this podcast. What is this podcast about again? Oh, I don't know. But maybe we'll find out what this podcast is all about next time when it's Del Toro time. time. We didn't plan that. Goodbye. Goodbye. Scary, scary skeletons. <laughs>